Come on up. So this is uh, Bill, our, pro our MC, and just perhaps not coincidentally, my husband. So take it away. Hi, my name is Bill. I'm a compulsive overeater. I hate to stand behind that thing. I want to stand up here and I can see you guys. Ah, it's my pleasure and an honor to introduce our speaker for this evening. It's a, a, a beautiful person, a beautiful woman. I've known her for 20 years. You're going to say she looks so young. When I first met her, she had pigtails and braces and just a little kid. But anyway, she's a wonderful person. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. She's going to be up here and share for 30 minutes. And uh, I'm sure you'll agree with me. 25. Uh, she's just been cut five minutes. <laughs> okay, and with that, I want to introduce my, my good friend and buddy, Jessica. She's a little nervous, so be kind. Hi. My name is Jessica. I'm a compulsive overeater. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, first, I want to welcome everyone um, from all over Region 2. I believe that's uh, California, Hawaii, Northern Sierra Nevada, and Mexico. Bienvenidos. Um, this is really an honor to do this. Uh, I have lived, actually, in five regions of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, two, six, seven, eight, and nine. So that means I've lived in half the regions, but it was in region two where I got and learned how to stay abstinent. So I am very fond of this region. Okay. <laughs> I have been coming to OA for over 24 years. Um, and in a couple days, I will have 17 years of abstinence. So, I'm no math major for those who know me, but um, there's a little difference between 17 and 24. That's to give hope to the people who are still trying. Um, I am living proof of not, to not quit before the miracle. Okay. Um, at this time, I just, before I start, want to pause to remember a few people, in particular from Region 2, who have left a big impact on my life. Um, the first one of who, which would be Vivian M., for those of you who know her. Um, I still wear her earrings and have almost every day for the last 15 years. Uh, they've been with me all over the world. Um, and I'd also like to remember Susan T. and Dan N., um, people who really helped me in my recovery. I would also like to thank all those who have contributed so much to OA in this region um, and who have made uh, worked so hard to make this convention possible. Thank you. Um, thank you, Barbara and Jerry, for asking me to speak. It really, it really is an honor. I've never done anything to this level <laughs> for OA, so it's really an honor. Um, and I want to acknowledge Roseanne, our, the late, our late founder, without whom none of us would be here. Um, a personal, a personal, hello, can you hear me? 
Okay. A personal thank you to everyone in the room who has ever extended the hand and heart of OA by either giving me a ride, listening to me, being my sponsor, being my unofficial sponsor, um, letting me sponsor them, taking my food, in the many ways that, that you all, we all can help each other. Um, and I would like to dedicate this, this to the compulsive overeater who is still suffering. Um, and especially to those who once came to OA and who no longer come. Hopefully they're doing well in what they're doing, but if not, we hope that they'll know the hand and heart of OA is always here for them if and when they want to return. And lastly, I want to dedicate this to my friend Charity, with whom I was in treatment about 20 years ago, and just went into treatment again this past week for about the 15th time. Not all of us are so lucky to be here tonight. Um, I feel like this is like kind of my megaphone moment in life, like close to the Academy Awards, you know? <laughs> um, it's really pom poms, woohoo! No, it, it really, really is an honor. Um, so I'm going to just throw out a couple things, like a smorgasbord of ideas or a buffet, haha, and hopefully that you guys can take what you like and leave the rest, because everything I say is my opinion or based on my experience and does not represent Overeaters Anonymous or Region 2 as a whole. It's uh, on me. I usually say to people, whatever you like about me, that comes from OA. What you don't like about me, that's my own character defect. <laughs> okay. Um, so I put my hand in yours, and together we could do what we could never do alone. How beautiful and how true. And I will just try to share some of my experience, strength, and hope to show uh, that that is more, to give that more than just lip service. Because in particular, it is this village here in San Diego, in Region 2, which helped raise this child who first came to OA when she was 17 years old. Um, just a little bit about my history. I knew I had, uh, I had a problem with food before I even knew what food was. First, this is the greatest, and this is absolutely true. The doctor who delivered me, his name was Dr. Hershey. <laughs> it was destiny. <laughs> um, I tripled my weight when I was three months. I ate so many carrots that I turned yellow and orange. I had six fat pockets. And my mom was a teacher, and her, her students would joke, does she lift? Um, I did not walk until I was 18 months. I was so heavy. Um, and when I was four years old, I do remember I had my first binge. It was uh, Frosted Lucky Charms. They were not magically delicious as they kept coming up. Um, <laughs> they say that addiction is a family disease. And um, true in my case, come from a family with a lot of alcoholism, some compulsive overeating, and also some depression. Um, and my mom used to always say, alcohol converts into sugar, which actually, when I looked it up once, I, don't, I think it actually lowers the blood sugar, whatever. It's, it's not what I thought, but I believe my mom. I was a kid. And so my mom, she always hid the sugar. And naturally, where did she hide it but in her own closet upstairs? And so my friends would come over, and we were going to make cookies or something, and they'd say, where are you going? And I'm like, well, upstairs to get the sugar products, like the chocolate chips and the sugar and all that kind of stuff. Um, so this was always, like, normal for me. Later I found out that my mom said she hid it from herself. Um, but I, I loved food, you know, just since at a very young age. I um, 
I loved going, my mom really did limit the sugar products, so I loved going to my friends' houses where they had good food, uh, sugary and greasy things that we weren't allowed to have at our house. Um, one time I remember I hid the ring dings in the bathtub so that I didn't have to share them with my cousin. Um, you know, it, I know sometimes in certain places in the world they don't mention food, but you know what, in, in, on page 101 in the big book it says, in, any, in our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. So I, I don't have an issue with uh, mentioning it. <laughs> it says, we meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his or her spirit, his spiritual condition. So you, I will say a couple of things. I hope that's okay. Um, but to sum up, when I was a kid, I loved food, and my grandma used to always say to me, Jessica, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Um, those were the fun times, and I think it's really important for me, since I have a magic magnifying mind, as the big book calls it, with a built-in forgetter, it's very important to me to remember that the fun parts constitute about one-tenth of the story. Um, oh, sorry. Okay. Better? Better? Okay. Um, is that okay? Okay. Is that better? Well, that's good. I don't have to bend over. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so the teenage years were where things really got really not fun. Um, the isolation started. Other kids wanted to go out and hang out on Friday nights. I wanted to go to my friend Jennifer's house because she had good food, watched certain TV shows. Um, and then I, um, you know, there's a lot of craziness in my family with the alcoholism and stuff. So um, I got myself a scholarship to a boarding school. And that was really um, one of the reasons I wanted to go to the boarding school is because I did not want to become an alcoholic. What, like, 13-year-old thinks that? But it's funny because, ironically, I didn't really think that I might become a compulsive overeater, but it was the compulsive eating that, for the next 12 years, really devastated my life. Um, I didn't always take it seriously as a disease. Um, the boarding school was really kind of rough for me because I had a scholarship. I was literally with people whose parents were... CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, presidents, children, and et cetera. And so I felt very um, out of place. My dad was a house painter. Nothing against house painters. One of my favorite ones is right here. <laughs> um, and, um, but it was, a, it was a difficult place to be. And all the girls, the, the motto essentially of the school was, you can never be too rich or too skinny. All the girls were very skinny. I went, I was about 40, 40 pounds more than I am now. And the boys the first year proceeded to make fun of me in the, the gym, I found out. They wrote my name up on the wall and about my weight because I was overweight. My, friend, my best friend's dad told me to move my fat ass. I was, I was definitely plump. You know, I was, yeah, more than I am now, I said. And um, it was really uncomfortable to be in that environment with all those very skinny people. Um, and... Um, so my freshman year, I started the diets, and this is when it really got, um, and it's funny, I was thinking, you know, I started, I did dieting with my friends, and like, I put my hand in yours even back then before the program, because all my friends were compulsive eaters, you know, we, we kind of found each other, and um, so we did these diets, uh, my top weight was about 40 to 50 pounds more than I am now, um, and I did have one period of controlled eating. It was when I was 15, and I lost those 40 to 50 pounds, which was actually a little bit too much. Um, and I got all these compliments, um, and then some comments too. 
But uh, that period of controlled eating, as the big book calls it, lasted about two weeks. Then I started eating again, like whole bars of cheese and whole boxes of cereal and and wheat thins. And um, so it didn't last long because, you know, I love food. It was my security blanket. It was my God and my answer essentially to everything. Um, So the high school years really, in a way, were a blur because of this disease. So there was crazy diets, crazy binges. Um, I started, like, taking a box of laxatives at a time. That's really not pretty for those of you who know what that's like. Um, And I thought I was good at hiding it until a girl girl came and um, asked me for a laxative one day. And I was like, bitch. Um, (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I wasn't very good at hiding it. Um, but I, I just want to tell you, like, the extent to this disease got bad. Like, I would be eating, like, for a little bit of time, like, a couple rice cakes, cottage cheese and green apple, and then a small can of tuna, and I literally would be doing six, six or five times of exercise a day. Running in the morning, doing the stationary bike after school, two and a half hours of volleyball practice, aerobics class, doing the rowing machine, and then running up the dorm four flights of stairs in the evening. It was absolutely exhausting and crazy-making. Um, another time I lived in a really dangerous city, I went out at 4, 4 a.m., and the man, the store was locked, and uh, I had to have my food. And the man said uh, at the store, he opened it, and he said, are you crazy? There's been an armed robbery here. And I thought, yeah, I am crazy. When it comes to food, I am absolutely crazy. No, no control, couldn't stop, couldn't stay stopped, or I could stop sometimes, but I couldn't stay stopped. Um, it was, there was really, really unpleasant things, you know, going without showering for several days. Um, I, I would go to like three stores sometimes and say I was having a party and I was like, yeah, a party for one, (laughs) but actually it was a party for three. If I think me, myself and I, um, and you know, they weren't, I had everything from size six to 16 in my closet. So they were really not very pretty days. Came to my first OA meeting when I was 17. Um, uh, and then I'm just going to tell you what happened after I came to my first OA meeting because I, I loved OA, but it, you know, it took me seven more years to get some kind of abstinence. Um, uh, I, one time I was at my friend's house after, after school, this is actually after my first treatment and after I'd come to OA and I had to wait up to 11 because I needed my food and like her brother just kept staying up and I was so irritated because he wouldn't move, but I could not sleep because I needed my food. And finally I started to eat in front of him. I was waiting for him to go to bed. And he said with disgust, I have never seen anyone eat so much in my life. I was so humiliated and that was really a turning point in my eating because before I thought I could always do it on my own and hide it, but I needed to eat so badly that I couldn't not do it in front of other people and let them see how totally powerless I was. Um, you know, I kind of, part of my story is that, uh, there was some geographics and denial involved. I love denial. Don't even know I am lying. Um, (laughs) I thought that if I, uh, went to Spain and ate azúcar, that it would have a different effect than, uh, sugar. And those from Mexico probably know what that means. No. Um, yeah, I ate Tony el Tigre, Frosted Flakes, and it, it didn't have a... I couldn't stop with Tony El Tigre, the same with Frosted Flakes. Um, but what was sad is, like, the worst of my overeating was overseas, where as the, in the OA 12 and 12, it says, I literally drew the drapes, disconnected the telephone, and hid in the house. What more perfect way to compulsively overeat when you're in a country where you know no one and at the beginning where you don't know even how to speak the language? 
it's the absolute ideal place for isolation. Um, one time I lived with the family and the mom said, where's all the food going? And like, now nothing had changed in the family. There were still four people there. And then I came and, and, uh, she's like, where's the food going? And I'm like, well, maybe the lady who comes in to do the cleaning ate it. Like, hello. <laughs> Actually, I got to make amends to that family, you know, some years ago. It was really very meaningful. Um, anyways, moving towards a solution. Um, First, I just want to say that Bill says in the big book, the mind and body are marvelous me- mechanisms for mine endured this agony for two more years. The curve of my bodily, moral, and declining health fell off like a ski, ski jump. And that really is what happened to me because these things happened after I came to OA. Okay, so to give you a little bit of hope. Moving towards a solution, I'd been living in the south of Spain, and um, so I, I had to go up to, I just, they had uh, Al-Anon meetings and AA meetings there, but I really needed OA meetings, so I moved to Madrid, where they did have OA, and I met a woman there, actually, from Region 2. I was actually from New York at the time, and uh, she told me that she thought I was actually quite sick and needed more help than Overeaters Anonymous, could provide me with. And um, so I ended up uh, actually out here at a recovery home. And actually, in the next eight years, I had three tours in a recovery home here in Region 2. One was eight months, one was 12 months, and one was 18 months. It is a progressive disease. Um, So as Bill said in the big book, I floundered from one sanitarium to another, though we can change sanitarium for recovery home. Um, And I'm just going to tell you three of the worst stories I heard when I was in that recovery home. They were from bulimics. So we know that this is not a a joke. Um, Vomiting, destroying septic systems. Re-eating what one had vomited because there was no food and no money. And vomit coming out of the eye sockets. Um, There was a girl who weighed 48 pounds. And another girl had to sit on pillows. She was so bony. So I just say this because this disease is not a joke. Um, I have lots of stories. Some of them are actually funny. One girl hated me because I had a high metabolism. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I didn't steal her boyfriend. I had a high metabolism. Um, too loud, sorry. Um, anyways, people here in Region 2, they, I used to go on these things called OA dates. I didn't really have family here, so they were so loving. I got to meet a bunch of people here in the program. Uh, There was a maintainer's meeting that gave me so much hope. I never thought you could be a woman, and I thought what it meant to be a woman was to always be on a diet and to have bad relationships with men. That's what I learned from my mom. I learned here that that doesn't have to be the case. Um, So anyways, I got – I'm trying to rush this along. Um, With my abstinence, my abstinence has always been the same as it was in the recovery home. It's not eating in between planned moderate meals. That's always been three meals for me. Uh, Actually, one time I was sick and I slept through dinner, but my sponsor said that was okay. But I have eaten three meals for almost the past 17 years. Um, And even when I traveled, you know what? I thought I had arrived not when I got my master's degree, but when I had breakfast in Rome, lunch in London, and dinner in New York. I thought, wow, I've really made it. Um, <laughs> I am a compulsive reader. Um, anyways, one of the best things for me that OA did was to make a, a differentiation between uh, abstinence and a plan of eating. That wasn't the case when I came in, and I think it really, really uh, has helped. Um, and I do believe that the higher power loves me no matter what, but the higher power knows that I don't love myself when I don't make the best eating choices. 
Um, so surrender to win the first five years, a lot, a lot of work. Study the big book like I used to study a menu. Um, didn't, didn't go anywhere. Um, material things started coming after five years. I was able to graduate college. Now, I had had to drop out of college four times. I graduated college when I was 29. Um, but it was a really big deal. Then, after having been voluntarily incarcerated for all that time, I said, I want to see the world. And so I started uh, going going all over the world, mostly to Europe, Region 9. But, um, and um, I, uh, I only went to cities where they had Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, in the next 10 years, I lived in 10 cities. Um, Madrid, Rome, Barcelona, um, Brussels, um, uh, Florence, thank you. <laughs> um, I even went to Buenos Aires for a little bit. Um, but I, I personally, I would rather have gone to smaller cities, but I knew that I was willing to go to any lanes to eat, so I had to be willing to go to any lanes for my recovery. And if that meant living in bigger cities because there was Overeaters Anonymous, um, then that's what I needed to do. Um, I really was involved in service overseas. Um, I started a meeting in... Um, here, well, here in Connecticut and Italy and in Belgium. Um, I was the secretary of lots of meetings. I was on the board here in San Diego for the Young People's Coordinator, and that's, like, not the kind of thing I personally would like to do, but never say no to OA. Um, and I was the secretary of the intergroup in Bologna, which was, that's uh, Italy, which was actually really good for my Italian because, like, you know, I'd write everything down, and then there's, like, all these red lines and stuff <laughs> on the computer. Um, and I sponsored, I sponsored a lot. Um, so let me see here. Da, 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 da. Heard my examples. I don't know. I have a little doubt. Um, um, sorry, I'm trying to hasten this up here. Um, you know, I just want to say that in Madrid, there was someone with 50, 15 years of abstinence, which was pretty cool. In Rome, there was a couple with 18 and 19 years. In Brussels, there was someone with 13 years. But when they heard that there were people here with 30 and 40 years of abstinence, it just blew their mind. Absolutely. They, we are so fortunate here, particularly, I think, in this region, to have the, the recovery that we do. Um, and, you know, it wasn't all roses, let me just say that. It seems, I mean, I did, I got to do some great things, but, you know, I've lived through people dying. I've lived through people living, which sometimes is harder. And uh, <laughs> I've, you know, lived through situations that, you know, didn't always work out, had diff some difficulties financially, um, and wrote a couple theses and, you know, broken hearts, dating stories. Those of you who know me know those. Um, I have not always gotten what I wanted in this program, but I have, as I see now, gotten what I needed. And what I needed, as the program says, is usually what I truly wanted all along. Um, so I actually, I had an illness once, and I had to do a, um, a recovery for the better part of a year as somewhat like a chemotherapy. And I stayed with someone in OA for the entire year. I mean... Amazing, amazing, the hearts and hands of, uh, extended of people in this region. <laughs> um, and I'm going to skip going about, I, was, I had some stuff about the steps and everything, but I'm going to, uh, the steps, solutions to every problem. And, you know, I thought, what part, uh, what part of every do I not understand? Solutions to every problem, S-T-E-P. Um, I just want to say there's a couple of victories I've had in OA, and, and you know, I, I did get a couple of master's degrees, but that's not actually the big thing. The first, the big thing was that I blew through three pairs of jeans. My body stayed the same, so I put holes in my jeans. I wanted to have a party. I, I could not believe it. For someone who had all those sizes in her closet, it was unbelievable that I put holes in jeans, like, 
I remember kids had that in high school, and I was like, wow, they paid like 100 bucks for it. I actually got it after like 10 years. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, the women here gave me so much hope in my recovery. The men too, but, you know, the women, it was just, it was really very special. I didn't know that you could live with this disease and still have a life. Um, and uh, the conclusion, we're here already, so that's good. Um, um, so, you know, my life is not a bed of roses. I'm 41. I'm still single, and I have no prospects for a husband currently. Um, but uh, there are four children. But, you know, I know that God works out all things in, in different ways, and I am open to adoption. I've seen many children in the world, like, you know, who need. Um, and But I have kind of lived in, a, you know, a number of places, and that's been really cool. And it's thanks to OA and thanks to the background of OA that I got here in Region 2. I'm, without what I got here, I never, I don't think, would have been able to get and stay abstinent like, like I have. I am truly, truly, truly grateful. Um, and, you know, it's funny. When I was, like, just kind of preparing for this, um, I saw an article, and it said, Why Overeaters Anonymous Does Not Work. And it made me really sad because I thought, you know, that that's not true. That's not true. It does work. I, I mean, look at my case, you know. And um, and the thing that, that really gives me the most humility of all is that, you know, I really wanted to stay on the couch with my gallon of ice cream and my big tub of popcorn with tons of butter and all of my other greasy fried binge foods and just watch my favorite movies. That is what I would have been satisfied with. But the higher power had such, such a better plan in store for me. I got to literally go, like, all over the world. And, you know, that is really, um, really humbling to me. There's a quote um, that says, follow the dictates of a higher power, it's in the big book, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. Um, so that is my message to you in Region 2 this evening. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for my abstinence. Uh, thank you for my life. And may God bless each and every one of you with your abstinence and with your path and recovery, whatever it may be. I love you all. <laughs> Thank you. Isn't she special? Thank you. Jessica, Jessica said she was 41. You know, I didn't find this program till I was 41 years old, and I feel it re really robbed me of my youth—not not the uh, not the program, but the fact that it took me that long to find it. So I really envy you, young people who are in here and, and get a shot at it. Um, I have some a couple of announcements. Is the mic on? Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask me what's the count in a hospitality uh, room, and uh, we have 810 years of abstinence. Wow, that's 9,720 9, months, 291,600 days, and it doesn't stop there, 6,998,400 minutes, ready for one more? 
419,904,904 seconds. Okay. Now, many people have asked me, what about the centerpieces? Who gets the centerpieces? Well, gonna, no. Well, what, what you decide is, O.A.'s birthday, of course, is January the 19th. So some people said, let's have the person with the, with the absent birthday closest to January 19th get the centerpiece. And I said, no, that is not, what's the word, not validate. We can't, so we're going to go by birthday, belly button birthday. Ah, because we check IDs here, you know. So the one with the closest belly button birthday to January the 19th, and by the way, that's 1960, the year I graduated from high school, January the 19th, the one who is closest to that wins the centerpiece. And I'm going to know down in the first table here, not, not, not the glass, not, 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 the, uh, not the mirror, not the mirror. Now, what, I, what I'd like to do, wait a minute, what, wait, what I, what I would like to do is, ah, I give up. Okay, I have just a, 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 a couple of things, please. Um, thanks, Bill, and thanks, Jessica. So good to see you again. Now, I want, I have to remind you that you are not done for the evening, okay? We have this really great variety show that is following back over in the Regency Ballroom, where we were most of the afternoon. So I hope you all will be there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be... there. We have some actually talented people. So uh, I'm not one of them, but... <laughs> I already said that. So, see you at the variety show. 8.30? Eight, eight no, be there by 8.20. Okay. <laughs>